World's on fire. Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Well, I guess it's what, 2001, the Space Odyssey. That's where we are here, so 2001, I... Uh, thanks for all of you, all the testimonies that you gave yesterday. I was I was talking, uh, discussing, speaking, whatever, dialoguing with my wife yesterday. And, you know, it really is. It's the fruit. The fruit is absolutely unbelievable and to think. Uh, you know, we, we, we tend to measure things by uh, numbers, right? Which is really one of the traps I think the pastors find themselves in. Uh, a pastor feels like he's only being, uh, excuse me, effective if he has large numbers. And my experience is some of the greatest uh, work being done isn't being done in, in large churches. In fact, for the most part, large churches really aren't getting a whole lot done, right? And so sometimes I get really, really frustrated. Like uh, when, when we, I went to this event this last weekend and sat there and listened to two days of uh, great presentations made by guys. And I, I get so frustrated because I said, Lord, I got a game plan. on I got a game plan on how to put all this together. And I sometimes don't feel like it. I can get any traction. It's frustrating. And I think, my goodness, if I could just, Lord, just help me plug these guys in. Let me plug in Randy and Trump and Clay and Betty and Lord, let me plug, let me plug these guys in. And, you know, and Chad, see, I forget Dave Allison. I go on and on and on, right? These are, these are frontline warriors who are stepping to the plate and Lord, why can't I get any traction? Why, why is it nobody wants to, they want to hear about it. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about those outside of here. Well, Lord, why, won't, why don't they see what's going on? And, you know, we come to realize that everything's timing. Everything is timing. Well, my greatest frustration is a guy who comes in here every morning. I love doing it. And I, I know we're having tremendous impact. I know we are. My greatest frustration is I can't, man, I just can't seem to get traction in some areas. But Psalm 37, 23 says that the, Steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. They delight in his way. Can I, can I say something to you? That, I don't care if, you, if, if this sounds arrogant or not. We have, to, we have to recognize different gifts. We have to recognize it. And the Lord has gifted me. I'm a motivator. I'm an instigator. I'm a fire starter. And when, like when, when I was speaking on Sunday afternoon, the last speaker of that event we just went to this weekend, there was freaking electricity in the room. You understand it's spiritual electricity? You understand that? And I said, Lord, what's going on? We could be winning this thing. Open doors. That's my frustration. And to be honest with you, I want you to know I couldn't care less about being famous or rich or and nothing. Nothing. I want to be, I, I, I want to be that guy, that coach when the game's over. We won. And you don't even have to say anything because everybody knows you won. 
And I don't want to do it to say, God, I won. I want to do it because we ought to be, we ought to be with him. But that's, that's, my, that's my great frustration. Amen. And, and, and I want all of you to know how, that I, I, I appreciate y'all. And I, I'm going to tell you this. I, I was doing, getting ready for show prep here this morning. <clears throat> do you guys have any idea how little you know? I, I did, I, here, here's where I started this morning. Here's where I started. Bear, bear with me. Uh, strange thing. I ask myself strange things. Like, how many heavens are there? Because it says in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. And if you went and asked the average Christian, if I put, put a gun to Betty's head and say, okay, Betty, tell me how many heavens are there? Uh, Betty be dead. Because she couldn't tell you. Neither could Paul Gosling, neither could... None of it. You couldn't, you couldn't tell us. Because, again, we have to realize that everything that we've learned, we've learned from somebody else. And when was the last time you ever sat in a church and had somebody explain to you the different levels of heaven or the different heavens? Anybody ever ever in your whole life ever heard that? And yet we all sit around and say, boy, uh, when they die, they're going to go to heaven. I said, well, what, what the hell does that mean? What does that mean they're going to go to heaven? And then we talk about the stars and the expanse of the heavens heavens and then that led me to thinking th- again other things that you don't think about uh where do you go when you die what happens when you die where do you go when you die well everybody will say heaven yet they don't even know what heaven is they don't even know what heaven is where is where do you go the levels of heaven we wrestle not against some blood but prince powers and powers evil spirits in high places right heavenly heavenly realm what is that that's the stuff that fascinates me and you one of the things I think makes this show electric, and I think sometimes it's really electric, is because I think I ask questions that others haven't thought about. When you ask those questions that you haven't thought about, then all of a sudden, wow, you start scratching your head saying, yeah, well, yeah, well, what about this? What about, what happens to you when you die? What happens? Do you go to heaven? How can you go to heaven when you die when at the right great white throne judgment, you're judged? People say, well, coach, those at the white throne judgment, well, those are going to be the unsaved. Well, that's not what it says. That's not what it says. Do I die Do I die right now and go into the presence of the Lord? Yeah, I die and go into the presence of the Lord. What does that mean? What does that mean to be in the presence of the Lord? And what part of me goes, right? Folks, look, these are very, very important questions that none of us know. We don't know the answers to, and we don't even talk about them. We don't even talk about them. Near-death experiences. People say they've had near-death experiences, and I believe they have. But see, there's a very clear word there that they're missing. Near death. See, they don't have a death experience. They'd be dead, right? They have a near death. So even a near-death experience doesn't really explain to you what the heck happens when you're dead. And he said to Lazarus, Lazarus isn't dead. He's asleep. So what? Yeah, he said, go wake him up. And they went and woke him up and he came out, right? And so all of this stuff that we have throughout all of Christianity, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. Do you know this? Do you know that I can be present with 90,000 people at a basketball, I'm sorry, at a football game? I can be present in the stadium with them and have no association with them at all. Do you know it's possible to be absent from the body and present with the Lord? In other words, to be in the same place as him and really not even be aware. Of, are, you, are you tracking with me here? So words have meaning. They mean things. 
And I love coming here and asking those questions that shake your theology. Because for the most part, all of us, including me, my, th- my theology was shaped as a young man, young, young boy, young man. I developed my own set of beliefs. That's why I was, you guys were a Baptist or you were a Methodist or you were a Lutheran or you were whatever, because you were, you were trained and raised in a, a Methodism. You were trained in that. And if you were trained in a Methodism where they didn't believe in baptism in the Holy Spirit, well, then you're not going to know anything about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you were trained in Pentecostalism, whatever we want to call that, well, you can't understand why people who are Methodists don't understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, they don't know. I, that was me. I was raised Catholic. I didn't, I didn't have any idea. I had no spiritual understanding at all. Can I tell you why I didn't? Because I didn't know you had to be born again. The Catholics don't even think you have to be born again. In fact, many mainstream denominations don't think you have to be born again. You see, I didn't think it could be till it happened to me. I played that song before. See if you can find that, Spencer, real quickly. Andre Crouch. I didn't think it could be till it happened to me. See if you can find that. And so much of our lives are experiential, right? Experiential. Can I tell you something? I don't care what you think. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, baby, it's real. It radically transformed my life. You don't have to believe it if you don't want to. It happened to me, and you will never convince me otherwise. Never, never will. Why? Because the man with experience always has a step up on the guy without the experience. Huh? And so, uh, yeah, can let's play just a little bit of this real quick. I don't, are there lyrics in there? Because if I'd like to have the lyrics, and so look, I can't explain. I can't explain to you death. I've never died. I, I don't know what that's like, right? I can't. I can't explain to you the, the real, the real in-depth fear of death because I've never really had that, right? A lot of experiences I can't explain to you. I didn't know, but I'm going to tell you something. Once something happened, are you, are you looking at me right now, folks? Have you been born again? Have you been born again? No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not asking whether or not you said a prayer. You walked an aisle and said a prayer. I got born again at a Billy Graham crusade in 1963. I was 11 years old, and I had no idea what the heck had just happened to me. I had no idea because nobody trained me or discipled me. And it wasn't until I was 38 or 39 years old that I had a had a second born again experience, a real one with the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I went from serving Coach Dave to serving the King of Kings. Now, those two intermingle. They certainly intermingle. But, hey, I, you know, I jokingly say to people that it did for me what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. Have you had that experience? Have you been born again? Really born again? And when you wake up, you say, man, there is something different. There's something different about me. And so I think Spencer's found that right now. Andre Crouch, I love this song because I had just been born. I had just been born again when I first heard it and the lyrics of it. I didn't think it could be till it happened to me. And there's so many things that we don't believe because why? It hadn't happened to us. You think it's crazy. What are you talking about? 
That, that can't be real. Well, all I know is it happened to me. It happened to me. You, you don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the evidence of speaking in tongues? Sorry, it happened to me. <laughs> it happened. I don't. I don't. I don't know. It happened to me. It happened to me. I didn't think it could be. Go ahead and play that, Spencer. And we know those people like Stephanie talk about a near-death experience. And, you know, she she was run over by a, a wagon and basically left her body. Did that mean she died? Because, de- see, death means separation, right? I think if I think that's what it means, separation. And if we, if we would ever get this realization, it's so, so hard for us to understand that we are spiritual beings, friends. I was, I'm, all of our grandkids were over here uh, yesterday, all of them. It's awesome. Michelle is taking care of them. And, and I, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean she's taking care of them. We're babysitting them. But I sit around and I look how, how different all of them are coming from basically the same seed. They're all so different. And I think they look different. They act different. They're, behave, they're just different. They're just different. And then I ask myself, Lord, where did little Cora come from? She came from the union of one sperm and one egg. I wonder how many times my daughter and her husband had a sexual union without a baby being produced. Probably many, many times, right? And the miracle that through a sexual union, a a microscopic sperm and a 
microscopic egg united and chorus here? All these 10 grand, so different yet so alike. Because see, we don't understand this. That which is physical is physical. That which is spiritual is spiritual. Jesus said, marvel not that I tell you, you got to be born again. You got to be born again. See, you were born the first time from what? Where, where were you born from? Where did you come from? That, that spark of life, that DNA, that thing that makes you you, that makes you different than your brother or makes you different. What, where did that thing come from? See, folks, we are, we are locked here in a physical realm. And as I've said a number of times, you are a spiritual being living a natural life. You are not a body. You are a spirit who lives in a body. Are, are you picking it up? And so for us, to, when we think about the heavens, the seventh heaven, the all, going to heaven, heaven, all that, all that. Think about all that stuff, right? What is it? What is that? What does all that even mean? And so when somebody like Stephanie had a had a near death experience, what did it mean? Did she really die, or did she just did she just leave her body and go into this other realm that's clearly out there? Just as as I said, just like a fish in a fish tank. You're in the water and you don't know there's anything outside the water. But if you think about it, you, you're you're a fish in a water tank. You don't know anything about it. And outside the water tank is a room and you're sitting in a room. And then outside the room is a house. And outside the house is outside. And outside outside is the sky. And you, you understand the levels and the dimensions and all that kind of stuff. And how little we understand of all of this, how little we understand of the supernatural, what it means to be even a human being. And what we're doing with religion, what's happened to us through religion is nothing more than man trying to explain this, this human experience that we're having. We've got all kinds of interpretations. And because why? Because we just, we don't know, man. We don't know. There isn't anybody here that can tell me what happens to you when you die. They said, Lazarus, stay with me a second. They said, Jesus shows up and Lazarus is dead. And they and they run to him and say, oh, I wish you'd been here earlier. You could have saved Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. Jesus, dude, he ain't dead. He's asleep. So what? Yeah, somebody go wake him up. Right? Is it right? So obviously we don't know, we don't understand any of this really. None of us know where we came from. And really, for the most part, we think we know where we're going, but we don't even really know what that means. We don't even know what that means or where we're going. What? Another dimension, another place? These are the mysteries, man. These are the mysteries that we're dealing with, right? And we know this at some point. You're going to die. I'm going to die. And then what? Then what? Do we go into a place where there's no time? Could I literally go into a sleep? I don't know. I'm asking. And just be in like suspended animation? Because, you know, time is only a product of this world in which we live. What creates time? What creates time? Well, God created time. But how's time measured? Sun going up, sun going down. Circles of the year, right? That's how it's all measured. That's that's how it's all measured. What does that even mean? What is it? If we're outside of this 
we call it solar system. See, we don't even know how to explain this other realm. We don't, the spiritual realm, we don't even know how to explain it. But if we're outside this natural realm, is there a sun? Is this outside this natural realm? Is the world controlled by the sun and the wind? And no, no, of course not. And somewhere up there is where all these spirits are roaming. Huh? Spirit, right? Come on, you're in a fish tank. You're in a fish tank. You can't see outside the fish tank. You don't understand what's outside the water because, why? Well, you've never been outside the water. So these are the things that fascinate me. And I'm just kind of rambling on, but I think they really, uh, uh, the point I guess I'm trying to make here this morning is I love coming here because it, ain't nobody knows the truth. You think you do. You think you do. <laughs> but you don't know. I got a dear friend that uh, I got. I call him my friend. He uh, played baseball for me when I was in London a long time ago. That's a long time ago. I got. It's amazing how long ago that was. How long ago was two thousand? That's twenty four years ago. My goodness! And I coached him in nineteen ninety three. So that's a long time ago. And he's really, really sick. And uh, Lord's really impressed it upon me to go lay hands on him and pray for him, and God would heal him. Do we believe God will heal people? If, if, if the healing is the children's bread, if greater works we will do because we go to the Father, how come, how come healing isn't being manifest everywhere we go? Is the problem with God or is the problem with us? What is going on? Why does God let people die? Why does God, why, why does God permit I, I, it's it's um, it's amazing, isn't it? And really, when it comes down to it, what is our what is our power and what is our, what is our authority, and why would Jesus Christ, through the book of Ecclesiastes, say that the day of your death is greater than the day of your birth? And if that's true, and we think we're going to go to heaven or whatever this magical place is, we're gone. Why do we cling so hard to this place? What what what? What's it all about? Why is our why are our churches so focused on having a good existence here and now? If this if really if heaven is like going to Disneyland, well, why wouldn't you want to go to Disneyland as soon as you could? Why wouldn't you? It's because we don't really have an we don't have an understanding of any of it. We don't really have an understanding of any of it. Let me get that off my chest. I'll come back to it. Tim Tuber is doing a show every every Thursday night, 7 o'clock. This Thursday at 7 o'clock, Tim Tuber is going to teach you how to lead people to Christ. I'm going to do a class on how to lead people to Christ. If you are interested and you'd like to get the link to be part of this, let me ask you. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. How many of you have actually ever led someone to Christ? Don't raise your hand and say, I have, I have, I have. I would say the average Christian probably hasn't. They don't understand. Really wouldn't even know how to explain it. Because look, I can't even explain the supernatural here. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not. I say, must be born again. I, I can't even explain it. Most of you can't even explain that. And have you ever in your own church ever had a class on leading people to Christ? On evangelism? I'd say you probably haven't. You haven't, right? Because why? Well, I'm, don't get don't get me going on that one. Because I'm I'm ready to get going on that one. Okay, I'll do it real quick, Lord. I'll do it real quick. Uh, 
Spencer, pull up uh, what, what Myra prayed this morning. Because I want to I point something out to you. Look, here's what's good. You can believe what you want. And you can, I can believe what I want. Okay, but I want you, I want you to see something here. This is why America, this is why I think, this is why uh, the church is so powerless. <clears throat> this is, uh, what, what is this uh, scripture? Is this for me, Spence? I'm sorry. It's Ephesians 4. It says, he that descended, who would that be? Uh, who would that be? Where did he descend to? <laughs> Does anybody know where he ascended? To? And then he ascended. Where did, where did he ascend to? Well, he ascended to heaven. Which heaven? <laughs> Look at this. Come on now, think with me. He that descended, descended to where? Is the same also that ascended far above all heavens, plural, that he might fill all things. Fill all things? How the heck you do that if you're in a different heaven? Anyway, watch this. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Oh, hang on. Hang on. That's the same office, isn't it? Pastor, teacher, same office? Pastor, teacher. I'm, I'm just asking. They call it the five-fold ministry. I, uh, I, I read four. I read four ministries. Prophets. Evangelists, um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors who are teachers, pastors and teachers, pastors and te- you see that? Do you see that there's a comma after every one of them? He gave some apostles, uh, semicolon, some prophets, semicolon, and some evangelists, semicolon, and some pastors and teachers, then a semicolon. It's like the same office, right? So the pastor's job is to be the teacher. His job, he ain't general over the church, folks. And you would have to admit this. We're in the mess that we're in because we have pastor-driven churches. Pastor's the boss. The pastor's the head coach. And that's not what it says he does. What's a pastor do? He's a teacher. He's a teacher. Why? To do what? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Do you see this? And so we put we have taken the pastor and we put him at the top of the shelf. We put him above the apostles, we put him above the prophets, we put him above the evangelists. When that's just the opposite in the order that was given here, that the least influential guy is the pastor and teacher. Does anybody think I'm reading this wrong? I'm not, I don't want to get into a big debate. I'm trying to show you that for the most part, for I'm sorry, look, I love y'all out there. For the most part, the pastor has crippled your growth. Would somebody say amen? Would somebody out there say amen? Amen. The pastor pastor system has crippled your growth. Amen. This is all designed to do what? To protect the saints for the work of the ministry. Is the pastor teaching you to do the ministry? Because when you do the work of the ministry, what happens? It edifies the body of Christ. And if we live in a if we live in a church where only the pastor is doing anything, if you go to the football game and the football game is about the coach, it's only about the coach, then you miss what's going on because there's 11 guys out on the field taking uh, war against 11 guys on the other side. The game isn't about the coach. The game's about the 11 people that are playing the game. You with, you with me? And so we have pastor-driven Christianity. 
look, I love you, Pastor Dale, Pastor Tom, Pastor Tim. All the, I love all your pastors. I'm not telling. They have given us. They've given us a broken system. They've given us a system that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And the reason I love what I do here is because I could run. I'm look. I can see most of the names. I don't see most of them. There's however many in here. I, I run down through here. Man, I think, boy, Angie Ryan's doing this. Betty's doing this. Clay's doing this. And Glenn's doing this. Oh, are you kidding me? Susie's doing this. I want. See, you guys are playing in the game. And I'm going to tell you this. Not patting myself on the back. You didn't know how to play the game until you came here. And you came here and we taught you how to play. <laughs> right? It's not. It's Coach Dave Live, but it ain't about me. It's about you. It's about perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry so the body of Christ is edified. You're part of it. You're it, man. You're it. You're the, you're the big dog. Amen. Oh, Betty's standing out on the street holding signs. Are you kidding me? Betty doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Betty doing that. Right. Glenn Claremont getting involved in, in politics. Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. Randy doing what? Randy doing what? These declarations. Are you kidding? Randy doing that? Are you come, come Are you picking it up? Huh? Huh? So why? Because if its structure is set up right, there should be fruit. And most of you would be honest before you joined this great group of folks in here. You didn't have a lot of fruit. Would anybody say amen out there? Chad, I don't need affirmation. Amen. Amen. Most of you had no fruit and no fruit. When, what's it say? He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That would be you. He perfected you for the work of the ministry. And when he does that, it edifies the entire body of Christ. So those people that you're uh, that you're around every day, your family, your friends, who say you're involved in a cult, they don't even realize. They don't even realize how badly they're missing it. Amen. They they don't get it, right? They think you're following me when they're following their pastor. What? What the hell are you talking about here, right? Right? And so you're looking, you've gone to a, dare I say it, an extra biblical source, me, because why? Uh, right? There, I'm an evangelist. I'm an evangelist. I'm not a, I'm not a, although I, sometimes I'm an apostle and sometimes I'm not a prophet, but I'm an evangelist, the heart of an evangelist. Right, I'm all over the place today, but I'm trying to edify you for the work of the ministry. For why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Your pastor is supposed to be your teacher, not your boss. He ain't supposed to be the thumb that pushes down on every spiritual idea you have. Good place to say amen. Good place to say amen. When you go to your pastor, say pastor. Amen. Hey, Pastor, how about we start talking about uh, transgenderism in our schools? There goes the thumb, and he'll he'll be he'll be glad if he leaves. To be honest with you, he'd be glad you leave left. Cause why? Cause he's out of balance. He thinks he's number one, and as I read it, he ain't number one. He's at the best number four, at the best, because he's supposed to train the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists. I could go on and on and just tell you personal experience. I, I mean, just on and on and on and on. And I want all of you to know this. 
I want, I'm trying to do everything I can to help you thrive in what it is God has called you to do. And I want you to think again from the, of your local church experience. Has, has, the, has the pastor been doing that? Has the pastor, if you go to the pastor and you say, pastor, I want to do, here's something I would like to do. Has he said to you, oh, Betty, God bless you, Betty. How can I help? Or has he given you words of caution? You better be careful about this. You better, blah, 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 blah. right, right? When he's supposed to look at you and see your gifting and help perfect you to do the work of the ministry the Lord's called you to. Why? Because it edifies the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of stature and the fullness of Christ. Ah. By the way, this wasn't anything I was going to talk about today. But I think it's critical. I think it's critical that we understand that we, we, have, we have such a uh, thousand directions I could go. Go ahead, Roger. Come on in. Well, I was just thinking of, you know, I'm 63 years old, been in the church since, you know, I was little. And I don't think I've ever had anybody... <laughs> And I don't mean this in a, in a manner towards me. It's not about me, as you've always said. But I don't think I've ever had a pastor or youth, anybody say, hey, Roger, I think your gifting is this, and I want to help you to do some things. Or, 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 Roger, as we're eating aching and bags, you know, eggs and bacon, you know, Roger, what, what, um, what do you think your gifting is, and how can I help you grow in that area? Boom! Now, I have volunteered for a lot of things. I have shown up for a lot of things. But there's never been the personal approach from the clergy or the pastor or the lay, you know. It's just been, you know, come do the stuff we want you to do. And sometimes my skill set fits in there. Sometimes it doesn't. But I don't think I've ever had anybody. Maybe I don't know why. Maybe I don't have any. But. I don't think I've ever had anybody say, you know, Roger, man, I think you've got a skill set in this area. How do I help you develop that for the glory of God? Amen. Sorry about that. Amen. And to me, that's what we do here, isn't it? That's what I hope we do. We do what? We do. We are past perfect the saints. For the work of the ministry, which edifies the body of Christ. That's what we try to do, right? I try to help everywhere I can. I can't be everywhere, but if you have something going on, I try to get there. I want to encourage you to do it. I want to coach you a little bit if I have to, but it's your baby. I'm there. I want to help you. You know, Dave, I've been I've been called to the principal's office. Um, (laughs) As you've said, and and whether the word was warned or something, but I've been I've been called to the principal office four or five times in, in, in my life. Yeah. Yeah. But, but never in the principal's office was there encouragement. It was always kind of a warning or kind of what are, how are yeah, you Roger, acting or what running, are you doing? You're in the wrong play here, Roger. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Now, now, some of it is, you know, we've all, I have to take some responsibility because I should never be prevented from using my gifting because of some pastor. If the Lord calls me, I need to run with it. But you know what I'm saying. I do. I do. I do. I do. Bless you, Roger. Uh, Listen, I'm going to be in Georgia. I'm going to be in Georgia the first weekend of 
November, and I'm going to be in New Orleans the next weekend. Just kind of telling some of you down around that way, Pastor Clint's having me in, and I'm going to be at Pastor Dale's the next weekend. I'm going to throw that out before I forget. I got so much I want to share with you, but I'm going to, I'm going to go to Rochelle next, then Jeff. Go, Rochelle. Rochelle. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here I am. That's all right. I don't give you a fair warning. Sometimes you walk away, I know, and then, whoa, he's talking to I was just standing up. Yep. Okay. So, um, Mr. Producer, uh, are you able to put John 3 up? If not, I can. Okay, great. Um, Scroll down Mm -hmm. to 3, 5. I just wanted to hit on the, the baptism thing. So, it says in John 3, 5, um, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of, born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Wow. And then he goes on to the six and it explains more the water. Um, okay, that which is of born of flesh is flesh and which is born of the spirit is spirit. So the water is um, flesh or the water and your spirit this, let me just do this word born again real quick. Everybody throws this around. I want to land on this. It really means born from above. So from your mom, you get this physical life. That's from the, your mom, the water breaks, you, flesh is flesh, you get physical life. To be born from above is the Holy Spirit. And that gives you spiritual life. Amen. And then once, now this is, starts a conversion process. And just like births, it can be quick or it can be slow. Either way, you're, you're, you're going to eventually get delivered because God finishes what he starts. Um, so w- this conversion is happening, and what you're looking for is for there to be fruit of this spirit that was put in you. So as mm-hmm. long as you're singing um, love, joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness, I might be missing one. Um, anyway, as long as you're singing, seeing the the fruits, your gifts will uh, uh, begin to become apparent. In fact, the Bible says your gift will make way for you. Wow. Yes. Yes, it will. It'll open doors for you. Mm-hmm. So um, it is confusing. And as far as the, as being physically dipped in water, what that is for, um, there's a place in the Bible where it says, um, conf- uh, Talk about my father, proclaim my father, uh, do works for my father. And that right there is is a work. And that's right there proclaiming you believe in God. So it's a way, if you don't get dipped in water or sprinkled with water, that's not being, that's not going to save you. That's just an outward expression showing other people you believe. So if you don't get dipped in water, but you've had the whole, if you've had that Jesus moment, that come to Jesus, you're safe. Amen. Amen. But right. you should get baptized. You should. Everybody should know that you're, well, whose team you're on, Coach? Yep. Thanks. That's right. That's right. Well, well done. Well done. Uh, that which is flesh is flesh. Folks, we are born a natural man, a flesh man with a soul. Now, we could get into the discussion of what the soul is, but the soul is ultimately who you are. This thing that is you that was placed inside this natural physical body. And I believe uh, that the part of you that when you die, dying is nothing more than that soul leaving the physical realm. It's, that's all it is. And it says, I think it's in Ecclesiastes, although I could be, be wrong, that the spirit returns to the Lord where it came from. So there, there's that soul out there dangling along. 
and this it's the spirit that gives life isn't that what it says the spirit gives life and that's your death yes janine the soul's the breath it's the breath of life and so when you die that breath returns to the lord it goes back that breath that spirit goes back to the lord and there you are the soul man determined by whether or not you were born from above or born from the earth right amen that's the born again experience and i'm going to tell you something a lot of you haven't had it yeah you haven't had the born again experience and i wish i could you know how do you do that how do you, how do you get born again you get, well let's uh, well we're going to do that right now i'm gonna do that right now and if you uh Thank you, Lord. Uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to do this quietly. And, you know, I can lead you in the sinner's prayer. Right? Whatever the heck that means. Whatever that is. Because I know people who've said the sinner's prayer, and it didn't, it didn't do anything to them didn't do anything to him. So wherever you are right now, in the quiet of wherever you're watching this show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to receive Christ as your Savior. And I'm not going to ask you to repeat after me because it's got to come out of you and it's come out of, come out of your heart. And uh, see, it's hard to do this without repeat after me here's all you're going to do i'm going to lay it out and then we're going to take a moment and you're going to do it you're not going to repeat after me folks you are born into sin you are a sinner and i don't care how much you've been in church and how many awards you've got for being the biggest elder and how much you donated i don't care about any of that Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was, he's, a, he's like the chief honcho in the church. Nicodemus shows up to him, what did Jesus say to him? He said, hey, dude, look at how smart you are. You got to be born again. <laughs> and Nicodemus said, what? What are you talking about, dude? What are you talking about, Willis? He says, yeah, dude. He said, look, Nicodemus, you got all these, you got all these uh, diplomas and education. You got all that stuff, dude. But you're just a dead man walking. Because you just got yourself old, old dead religion. And I'm telling you that you got to be born from above. That which is spirit is spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. You were born from your mother. You got to be born from on high. And you cannot call yourself a Christian if you've never been born from on high. You say, well, how do I do that? You confess your sins. Lord, gee, here's how I would do it. You do it however you want to. You can do it now. You can do it tonight. You can get your wife by the hand. The two of you do it. So you just say, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just acknowledge to you that I'm a carnal man and I have sinned so daggone much. And I don't even know what it means to be born again. But you've told us in your word that we have to be born from on high. And so, Lord, I come today and I lay down everything at your feet and say, Lord, please come and dwell inside me. 
Send your Holy Spirit to dwell inside me. I confess I'm a sinner. I confess there isn't anything I can do. It. I confess that the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do, I don't want to do. And Lord, I don't want to be, be that way. And I just pray that you would forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me clean through your blood. Come and fill my heart with your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want you to do that. And it doesn't matter how good your words are. It doesn't matter if you didn't cross every I and dot every T. The Lord is going to hear your heart that you call out and do number one, admit you're a sinner, that you need a Savior, and you know it's Him. And come and fill me now. That's, that's it, man. You're a sinner. You know you need a Savior. You know it's Him. And you ask him to come into your heart, into your life. Just go ahead and do that right now. Go ahead. Let him know you mean it. Don't just say words. Let him know you mean it. Think of all the people you've harmed in your life, all the things that you've done, all the lying and stealing, cheating, conniving. People you could never, ever make it right. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Save me, Lord. Lord, whatever it is that coaches God, I want that, Lord. I want that. I want that. I didn't think it could be until it happened to me. Make it happen to me in my heart right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You, you can do that 10 times a day if you want to until it gets real to you. Until you begin to understand that there's a Holy Spirit and you begin to access the Holy Spirit and communicate with the Holy Spirit and hear from the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of you out there, somewhere along your line, you got born again. But it was stillborn. You were stillborn. You never developed and grew. Amen. Jeff Klein, come on in. Coach, can you imagine what's going to happen in the future from what you just done just now? I can't even imagine because it's just, so real. It is so real. Go ahead. I thought about this just a little bit ago. Do you know where you led me to go about 24, 25 years ago? No. Oh. To the village of Warsaw. <laughs> and there was Coach Dave, Pastor Bill, Pastor Flip, and Pastor Rusty. You sent me that tent. Yeah. To Warsaw. I'm like, where in the heck is Warsaw? And, you know, after that, four, four or five nights under that big tent with some fiery preachers and teachers. Real Christian men. Yes. I come out one night going into Warsaw. I looked at that sign because I'd never been to Warsaw. I looked at a second night, I think, or third night going in, and I seen that sign that said Warsaw. And it hit me. I saw the war. And there's Rusty with that big sword under that tent that night down there, just, you know, screaming freedom. 
you know, I look back on it. Me and Ricky, we talk about this. Ricky jokes about this. He tells the story that him and I, 25, 30 years ago, were sitting in a church in Mount Vernon. And you know what? The two things we were doing in that church, this is sad. Two things. We were either drawing cartoons on the program or sleeping. And Ricky laughs about that. We sit side by side, either drawing cartoons or sleeping. That's exactly what we did. And then landed in Warsaw. So thanks for inviting me. Amen. Amen. Amen, Jeff. I know you're born again. I know you are. I want to, I want to pull something up real quick before I bring Myra and Dave Allison and John in here. Pull up uh, The Wrath of the Awakened Saxon. You guys know uh, Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling. He wrote the poem, If. When things go bad, they sometimes will, and the path you tread to seem all uphill. Somebody's familiar with this. I, I came across this yesterday, The Wrath of the Awakened Saxon. Now, without going into great detail, sadly, most of us don't even know what an Anglo-Saxon is. An Anglo-Saxon. An Anglo-Saxon. Can I tell you what it is? It's a white Protestant. That's an Anglo-Saxon. We are Judeo-Christian, Anglo-Saxon. It was a, a, for lack, not a race of people, but sort of like a race of people. But it was a, it was a culture of people, Anglo-Saxon, white Christians, Anglo-Saxon. Today, when you hear the word Anglo-Saxon, you think white, right? You think white. We didn't come up with this. This wasn't invented by Jesse Jackson. Anglo-Saxons, okay? Rudyard Kipling, I don't even know when he wrote this. This is powerful. Because this is the history of America. This is the history of the gospel going to the world. It was not part of their blood. The wrath of the awakened Saxon. It was not part of their blood. It came to them very late with long arrears to make good when the Saxons began to hate. They were not easily moved. They were icy, willing to wait till every count should be proved ere the Saxon began to hate. The voices were even and low. Their eyes were level and straight. There's neither sign nor show when the Saxons began to hate. I'm, I'm trying to tell you folks, this is what's going on in America right now. It was not preached to the crowd. It was not taught by the state. No man spoke it aloud when the Saxons began to hate. It was not suddenly bred. It will not swiftly, swiftly abate. Through the chilled years ahead, when time shall come, count from the date that the Saxons began to hate. If you follow history, what happened when the Saxons began to hate? Christianity exploded Amen. across the world. Dave Allison, come on in. Yeah, thanks, Coach. You had mentioned before the the, the fact that some people say that this might be a cult. 
And if you look at, I find it odd, especially if someone's going to a mainstream uh, denomination and said that you might be involved in a cult. Well, this is, I would say, absolutely, because what I was going to in the mainstream uh, ministry was not a cult. Because uh, Webster defines a cult with a great devotion to a person, idea, object, movement, or work. And most mainstream ministries definitely are not a cult, right? They don't have any of those things. And so I appreciate that. And Coach, thanks so much for sharing this. Uh, uh, Kipling's uh, thing here, because that's what I've been saying all along, is we learn we need to learn to hate things. And when you learn to hate things, you'll stand up against them. But until you hate them, you won't. That's right. Grace, mercy, 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 mercy. And yeah. hey, Dave, that string's running out because why? We're beginning to hate again. It's yeah. It's just like, Coach, I told a story about the time, you know, that was the guy when in their lunchroom was pushing me around and finally I had enough of it. Yep. And, and he, he saw what hate <laughs> would force <laughs> me to do, right? And he, so, anyways, but obviously, but that's that's the last resort, right? That's we don't want to do that. That's not right. something we look forward to doing. But hey, put put me in a corner, watch out. That's right. That's what they're forcing us to do, isn't it? They're forcing exactly. us. Exactly. It's going to get. The Bible says, "Love the things the Lord loves and hate the things." There are some things we're supposed to hate, folks. Amen. So don't be worried. Of, don't be afraid of someone saying you're in a cult because this is definitely a cult. We're just deeply devoted to a work, a person, and uh, things. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the good thing. Uh, this is far from a cult because cults micromanage, and you all know we don't micromanage here. John Loveland, then Myra. Hey, Coach. Thanks. Uh, hey, everybody. I just want to say, uh, Rochelle, that was the you answered a question that I've had for a long time, and I just love the way you explained it. I, 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 I was, I, I've said that I've had this conversation with the Lord. In the past, I said, it seems as though, like, for my conversion, it was one day. It was one specific day when I know that I got saved, I repented, Jesus came into my heart. I know that for sure. But, Rochelle, you and I, and I always see, said, I, I look at some of my friends and people I know, it seems like they came to Christ over a period of time. And, Rochelle, you, you painted the analogy of... Uh, of a, a natural birth. Sometimes it's quick and sometimes it takes time. Yeah. And, and that, that was fantastic. So, well, so I think that, that was just amazing. Anyway, thanks so much for that. Uh, I just want to give, go ahead. I'm sorry, coach. What'd you say? A work in progress. Yeah. 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 And, and we're working out our, our salvation with fear and trembling, obviously, but just some scriptural reference. I'm going to throw it out there. Um, I know like think of the great commission, Mark 16, right? Right. He, he said, go ye unto all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. He didn't say anything about being damned and not being baptized. He just used the word believeth. Now think about the thief on the cross, right? Jesus turned to him and he said, you shall be with me in paradise from this day forward. Right? He didn't, he didn't get baptized, but he turned his heart. He, he was converted. The scripture also says repentance must be granted so there has to be a change of the heart whether it's progressive or instantaneous it's up to the individual 
So anyway, Rochelle, thanks again. A great explanation, and uh, that that's an an a question that I've had for a long time, and the way you explained it was fantastic. Thank you. Amen. So the thief on the cross didn't say the sinner's prayer. He said, hey, Lord, right there was the key. Hey, Lord, he recognized him. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was it. That's the born again. Lord, I know you're king of kings. I know I'm not. I know I've screwed up. Remember me. Hey, Lord, I ask you right now, Lord, make salvation real to those who prayed that prayer today, Lord. Make it real today. Jesus' name. Myra. Coach, uh, I am in agreement with uh, my brother Loveland uh, concerning my sister, Rochelle. Excellent explanation. And the Bible verse that you quoted earlier was Ecclesiastes 12, 5 through 7. That is Ecclesiastes 12, 5 through 7. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fears shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and grasshopper shall be a burden, and a desire shall fall because of man goeth to his long home, and the mourners be about the streets. So the last sentence, uh, I don't want to take much time, reads in um, 7, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was and the spirit shall return unto god who gave it hallelujah amen glenn i lost george go glenn yeah just uh so for anybody who's interested in attending tim tuber's class uh thursday night at seven i'm going to put my contact information in the chat uh let me know and i'll send you the the zoom link 7 p.m Thursday the 19th Eastern Eastern time. Amen. 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 See that, that this is one of the problems well, about out of time here. here. This is one of the problems of the church folks. The reason that the church isn't, isn't functioning. My opinion. <clears throat> Does the pastor preach to the saved or to the lost in your church? Is his sermon directed at uh, teaching the people who are already saved or reaching out to those who are lost? And it can't be done in a large environment like that. It can't. And that's the focus of the church. But see, the church is supposed to train you and I to go get them. We're supposed to go get them. But no, no. And the average person has been trained to get them to come to your church where your pastor can lead them to, the, to Christ. Wow, wow. I was all over the place today, but uh, I, I really believe this, friends, that the real freedom, if you're looking for freedom, your freedom is going to be found in a relationship with Christ, not in a religion, not in a church, not in a pastor, not in a fellowship of believers. Those are all important. But if you don't have an intimate, personal relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you can sleep in church. And it ain't going to matter. Wow, I didn't think it could be till it happened to me. See you tomorrow.